Hey, Marin. Hey, Charles. How's it going? Good. How are you? Oh, I am well. I'm on three cups of coffee or so, and I've been up since about seven in the morning. So I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm just really, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Um, and you are in DC, is that right? No, I'm in New York. Oh, you're in New York. Why did I think you were in DC? Um, I, I don't know. I just moved here. Oh, how recently did you move here? Mm, two years ago. <laughs> oh, so not that recently. It's reason enough in my mind that I still, uh, New York still offends me when I like leave the house from time to time. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that's true for a lot of people. It is kind of a psychic assault on the senses when you step out it, of the house and on I mean, it's, your it's wallet. Mostly, it's olfactory, to be honest with you. <gasps> mm, mm-hmm. I was walking by um, a phone booth and I was like, that's, that's piss I smell. Like, that's not, that, that's not me being facetious. Like someone just like pissed in this. Uh, that's a piss smell. That, that's piss. Yeah. All right. Cool. Like, and like DC by contrast, whenever I go back, I'm always like stunned at how clean it is. Huh. You know what I mean? Like uh, almost astringently so, which is its own kind of like gross, but compared to, you know, like you really do have to watch where you step in New York because you very well may step in shit. Um, it's just a piss minefield out there. Pretty much. Stay safe, yeah. everyone. <laughs> yeah. No, it's um, it can be rough. I um, I used to live in Toronto. Okay. Which everyone says when they come up from the states and New York, especially, they're like, "Oh, it's so clean here." I believe it's so it. So clean, and I wonder about that for a bunch of reasons. I think maybe it is true, just on like a a piss level. Um, but one summer there was a garbage strike in Toronto Yikes! and it was in the middle of the summer. Right. And, um, it does get pretty warm there. Not everyone knows that. And, um, it was, um, I don't think I've experienced that same olfactory kind of environment since then. Thankfully it was a lot. (laughs) Um, and so that sort of set my, uh, oof, my extreme end and New York has yet to sort of deliver that level of of um, discomfort, which I'm thankful for. Give it time. Yeah, I've only been here for a few weeks, so it could still happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like the heat is coming. So I hope so. It's been so cold. I'm like, I don't <sighs> know. I want winter to be over. I do too, but I'm kind of like I always uh, tell myself that like whenever it takes long for the city to warm back up. I take solace in the hope that we're going to have like unseasonably warm falls, you know mm-hmm, what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which I'm like very much a fan of. Cause like this winter business is just not, I can't really fuck with it, but oh, it's bad. Yeah. 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 My skin is just now beginning to like hold moisture again, which is <laughs> <laughs> a godsend. Yeah. No winter. Not great. Um, I'm not a big fan, which is weird because I've spent most of my life in the Northeast Right. You'd think I'd be used to it by now, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm really not. I hate it. I mean, it, it's so. not for everybody. And the people who like, they're, I've met a lot of people recently who are just like intense fans of it. And I don't, I don't understand, you know, the, the arguments always like, oh, you can wear cute fashion in the wintertime. And it's like, yeah, you can also wear cute fashion in the summertime. Like, let's not sit up here and pretend that like the cold months have some kind of lock on looking great. It's just, it's, it's, it's no, 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 no. 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 <sighs> no, 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 no. <laughs> uh, 
Um, speaking of weather, you um, you tweeted something yesterday, which I I don't think I'd ever made this connection. But as soon as you said it, oh. I was like, oh yeah, that is that's a thing. That's weird that that's a thing. Um, and it was about superheroes. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was like, what, wait, what did I tweet? <laughs> I was like, oh, you're head, really like, oh, nervous. Um, <laughs> no. Yeah. So it was about um, how there are a lot of black superheroes that are like uh, weather kind of themed, but specifically electricity. Yeah. 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 It's like, um, I don't know where it comes from. I've been kicking it around in my head for a while. Um, I, I, I need to like reach out to some, um, to some comics historians who might be able to um, explain it to me in a little bit more of an intellectual way. But basically there is, this weird, I don't want to call it a trend, but there's just like a shit ton of black superheroes who have electricity powers. Um, you know, Storm is the most immediately recognizable black mm-hmm. superhero in the world. Um, and while her, you know, her abilities are to control, you know, the weather as a whole, um, both like atmospheric weather and also like, you know, cosmic weather, the way that we, the way that most people think of her is like, oh, like she's flying, her eyes are glowing and she's like calling down the thunder. Yes. Yeah. Um, then you, you know, then you've got uh, static shock. Static shock. Yes. Uh, you've got black Vulcan mm-hmm. um, and a couple of others whose names don't immediately come to me, but it's like a thing. Um, and I mean, it's, it's cool, you know, like who doesn't want to pew pew, you know, zap people with electricity. <laughs> um, but it's, um, one of the problems of being like an underrepresented group in any kind of media is that when trends like that pop up, they are immediately recognizable and they sort of reflect, um, how like there are levels of representation, right? So there's, you know, the first level is just like being there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the deeper you get, it's like, all right, well, you're there, you know, you, you've gotten into the door, but how is it that you're being portrayed? You know, mm-hmm. is everybody, you know, if everybody who is at the uh, the superhero table, the black superhero table is just, you know, shooting lightning at each other. What does that mean exactly? You know, what does it mean in terms of um, the kinds of imaginative spaces that consumers of that media, um, you know, are able to like put themselves into. So like you think of what, like a young black child who is out there, you know, consuming all of these books or movies or what have you seeing. And they're like, Oh, like I could be a superhero too. So long as I can chew electricity out of my fingers. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, I, I've never as a kid, I was never really into like, you know, the elementals like, oh, I'm like, I can set my body on fire. That just mm-hmm. seems really impractical to mm-hmm. me. Um, and, you know, Storm is really great. But I think anyone who um, anyone who like loves the X-Men or just Storm individually um, is familiar with uh, the 90s animated series. Right. Um, and how Storm is great. Storm is also like the most Yes. Yeah. You know Storm I mean? is very um in that show very um stands apart a lot. I guess that was sort of their their sort of shorthand for her character. So you have, you know, Gambit is mysterious and Cajun, I guess. Cyclops <laughs> is just like the straight man. The straight man, yeah. Uh Wolverine is a an edgy loner and uh Storm is just like very dramatic and like She's mystical. A queen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
the thing like it's 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 always really interesting to talk to people about how they talk about storm because mm. um, uh, people refer, like she's a mutant right like let's like just get that out of the way like her ability is to manipulate the weather but people call her like a weather witch and there's mm-hmm. like some mysticism attached to her identity which has popped up canonically in the books here and there but it always kind of strikes me as a little bit odd mm. not odd but it always kind of like raises like a blip on my radar Mm -hmm. about like the way in which her mutancy is kind of undercut with this (sighs) what's the what's a good way to to put this um almost like a magical negro quality Mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. no she's a mutant just like everybody else like where does this witch shit come from right have to be a witch yeah Uh, no one's like oh cyclops is a wizard he's like a laser wizard because he's like he's a (laughs) he's a celtic like Right. Like Vision like, uh, Mage or something. Like, that's oh, not a part of his character, really, most characters. Uh, right. And, like, of all of the mutants, like, Storm's powers are, like, the the easiest to explain, almost. They're, they're, they're very straightforward. It's like, oh, yeah, weather. Weather, like, that's yeah. it. Whereas, like, you know, you've got Jean, she's like, oh, she's a cosmic force. And you've got Jubilee, and it's like, eh, it's not quite fireworks, but we'll just use fireworks <laughs> as a straight. You know, it's like, eh, it's actually subatomic particles being split on a blah, 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 blah. But, you know, um... Yeah, so and it, like Storm is like a, I lo- like love her to death, t- like truly, honestly. Um, but there are, you know, there uh, beneath any kind of like iconic figure like her, there's elements of like uh, some of the like the the struggles with regards to representation that are always going to like face marginalized characters like her. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, that character, it seems to me, like, I don't have a lot of background in comics, but um, from what I've heard, it feels like Storm has been really mishandled um, over the last, you know, couple of decades. Mm. Um, Because I feel like she's this super popular character, like one of the most iconic X-Men characters, and um, Marvel doesn't really know what to do with her, it seems like. Yeah, like, she had a very briefly lived... um, um, solo series that, um, you know, was very exciting for a lot of fans who were like, you know, like diehard fans. Um, but the book just kind of meandered. Um, there was no, like, there was no real story arc in place for her. The art wasn't all that great. It didn't like, it didn't feel as if Marvel had a lot of confidence in the character, which is so strange given, you know, her brand recognition. Um, and like now, Aurora Monroe is in a bit of an odd spot, as all mutants are with Marvel. Um, you know, everyone who even like mildly keeps up with like superhero mm-hmm. movies and all that jazz knows that like Marvel and Fox, you know, they have a deal about the mutants where Marvel doesn't use them, Fox does use them, and all of like the crossovers involving the Avengers and the mutants, like that shit's just never going to happen, you know, unless, you know, through unless through some kind of divine intervention, um, Kevin Feige and the people over at Fox come to like an entente. Um, but short of that, it's just not going to happen. And the flip side of that is the relationship between the mutants and everybody else in the Marvel universe is kind of messy. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, the mutants have always been you know a minority, but they are just now coming back off of the brink of extermination or extinction. Right. Um, because of uh, a killer cloud, we'll put it that way. There's a cloud that was killing mutants, um, mm-hmm. and it was everywhere. And 
Storm, at the time when the the Terrigen Cloud was wreaking its havoc, she was their leader. Um, and as of you know, as as of now, uh, she's sort of dealing with the fact that she was not able to lead them in such a way to like keep them all safe. So she's kind of. Um, She's kind of in like a hiding space. Uh, she's sort of taken the back seat. Um, despite the fact that she's one of the more senior members of the X-Men, she's not the leader, um, which is odd. Kitty Pride is the current leader, which is great. But, you know, it's a little it's weird to to see Storm taking orders from Kitty in the field where it's like, mm-hmm. eh, you know, Storm's uh, she's, she's been around. She's seen some shit. You know, it's cute that you have your your dragon friend, but um, if it you know when it comes to the, the stakes as they are right now is, you know, mutants are on um, the brink of extinction. You kind of want to be looking to people who have the most experience with leading teams. Um, but apparently, uh, Roro is not the one right now. Um, so that's where she's in like the X books, but she's also like running around in Harlem right now. Hmm. Um, yeah, with uh, Misty Knight and Black Panther um, and a couple of other members of uh, the newest incarnation of uh, a team called The Crew, where they are looking into the mysterious murder of a um, of a civil rights activist. Uh, he dies in police custody and Aurora is just, you know, chilling up on... 145th street looking into like <laughs> how you know, like she's like at the carryout spot talking to people about like yo like did you see what went down like do you know like how this man ended up where he is um which is an interesting it's an interesting story for her but again it just feels very sort of like huh okay sure <laughs> why not i guess that makes sense uh-huh. um i don't know it's she's such a Despite the fact that she's so iconic, I don't know that Storm has ever really had like a set identity across the media um, that she's appeared in. You know, she she flies. She's got great hair. She's got a fantastic <laughs> sense sense of fashion, um, and she's a heavy hitter. But I can't, you know, I can't really think of like one particular story arc that defines her in the minds of a lot of fans. Mm-hmm. You know, like whereas Jean has like the Dark Phoenix saga. Yes, you know, Storm has uh, that one time she became the leader of the Morlocks and then mm-hmm. left them in the sewers, <laughs> which, you know, boss move, but like, eh, okay. And then you have her, you know, being engaged to and then married to uh, Black Panther, which was weird and kind of like a an odd PR move on Marvel's part mm-hmm. in the early aughts that just kind of felt like, oh, who are our two biggest black superheroes? Let's, <laughs> let's have them get married. Never mind. You know, never mind the fact that the Wakandans don't fuck with anybody who's not from Wakanda. Right. They they have no desire to uh, to you know engage in statecraft across you know country lines and mm-hmm. like marriage and stuff. Um. So she's I don't know. She's kind of in the lurch. You know, she's always she's there. Not, I don't. You know, Marvel would never go so far as to to off her. I think, but uh, it's going to. I think it's going to be a while until she is handled appropriately by um, a writer. Mm. Be lovely to, you know, to see a black woman writing her, you know, um, one Mm. can only hope. Mm, Yeah, that would would be cool. Um, Have you, so have you been writing about comics for a long time? Kind of, sort of. It's, uh, I don't know, my, 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 my path to comics writing to like comics journalism has been really um, odd and circuitous. Um, I, 
got into journalism as like a videographer when I was like, I was a video journalist when I um, first got out of college and just kind of like bounced around mm-hmm. um, a little bit. And comics were always just sort of something that I um, consumed for fun uh, when I was just, you know, on the train, uh, just like, Oh, like just pull up your phone and see like what's going on with the Avengers today. Um, and I don't know how, but like, I, never really thought that like covering like nerd culture and comics was like a thing somehow like that just never really occurred to me, even though like I was reading other people's writing about comics, I never saw myself doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, primarily because like, I wasn't really sure what the avenues to that kind of writing were. Um, you know, you go to J school and there's no like, Oh, introduction to pop cover mm-hmm. pop culture coverage 101 you know that's just not really a thing um um and so I, I got into you know just like straight news coverage for a while which was uh fun and stressful um but the you know my my particular like the lens through which i was covering straight news was always um colored by a focus on race and ethnicity and sexuality and, you know, looking at the world in that particular kind of way led me to looking and focusing on more like pop culture stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just sort of like a slow, gradual kind of like listing towards like movies and then like a television and then books and then like, Ooh, comics. And it's like, Oh, here we go. Like this, this, this is like the sweet spot where everything kind of makes sense. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, now sort of something (laughs) that might seem left field, but I think crystallizes a lot of the stuff. Um, what is with this Peter Parker thing, Tom and Tom Holland? Was Tom Holland in like a a drag film or something? Because I'm seeing a lot of stuff on your timeline and, and elsewhere on my Twitter about this image of like Peter Parker in drag and, um, yeah. And there's a specific outfit. Was that just a movie Tom Holland was in? That, so Tom Holland, uh, to the best of my knowledge, was on an episode of Lip Sync Battle. Okay. Um, where he and his co-star Zendaya, um, you know, they got up there, they danced, and they lip synced for their lives. I think she did Bruno Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did um, Rihanna. He's, uh, he lip synced, um, her umbrella. And I think the reason that it's sort of like really kind of, uh, like sparking on social media is because like we've gone through so many Peter Parkers, right? right. We, we had, uh, we had Tobey Maguire, then we had Andrew Garfield. And then when it was announced that we were going to have yet another, there was, you know, this really big push for it to be Miles Morales, the, um, Afro Puerto Rican, um, ultimate Spider-Man, um, who was mm-hmm. introduced uh, a couple of years ago. Then it was announced that, no, we were going to do Peter Parker again. And everyone's like, oh, fuck. All right. We're, we got another white kid. We are going to see, <laughs> we're going to see Uncle Ben die. And he's going to, with great power comes great responsibility, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I think that there is something about Tom Holland that people are just now kind of beginning to realize. Um, he has a background, um, not just in theater, but in dance. And he has a fun energy to him that I don't think has been present with some of the other, uh, mm. Peter Parkers. Um, you know, you look at Tobey Maguire, one, he was just too old to be playing a high schooler. 
Yeah. You know, like <laughs> just none of that was believable. Um, God bless Maguire and Kirsten Dunst and James Franco, but not one of those people was, you know, passing for 16. No. Um, <laughs> and then Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, they were just at the cutoff point for like coming across. It's like kids. Um, and there wasn't exactly a sense of like, fun and like whimsy to them, which is kind of what Peter Parker's always been about, right? He's this kid from Queens who literally swings around the city um, on webs and just like flinging himself through the air. And he's a kid just having fun. And there is something about seeing Tom Holland in full Rihanna drag, um, dancing in heels um, in a simulated rain shower and killing it, you know, uh, much to the delight of everyone in the audience that mm-hmm. gives you the sense that like, Oh, like if this is the kind of energy that he's going to approach Peter Parker with, then perhaps this might be the Peter Parker that when like that wins a lot of people over, you know, um, that kid who is a goofball, but also knows how to have a good time. Um, and perhaps might breathe like some new life into, the world of over-serious, overwrought, self-serving, you know, capes out there. Yeah. <laughs> also, uh. it's, just, it's just like fun when you see um, like straight cis dudes participating in queer culture, not in like a touristy kind of way, but in, in like uh-huh. a, I've been invited here and I'm going to take it seriously and I'm sure. actually going to like show up and do what I came to do. You know, I think that like that's why everyone liked it when Channing like Channing Tatum yeah. forget what he did exactly, but but there was like a there was like a video of him like doing multiple styles of dancing, and there's three seconds of him voguing in complete like with complete like earnest energy, like he's uh-huh. not you know he's not like making fun of like feminine gestures, but he's like no 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 like this is just how you vogue, and everyone's like okay yeah welcome good for you well done so no. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, God, Peter Parker can be such a fun character. And I feel like I just have such fatigue. We we all have Spider-Man fatigue. I feel like anyone who grew up um, and sort of saw those first movies, it was like, oh, there's a Spider-Man movie. This is awesome. Because that was really, I mean, the first Spider-Man movie is like, uh, what, 2000? Like, I early- it's like I think it might be two thousand. It might be like two thousand. It was very yeah. It was it was a while ago. Um, yeah. And um, that was around the time that the first X Men movie came out, and so we sort of were like, oh, superhero movies are cool. And this was before like the Marvel Cinematic Universe and right. um, these very early kinds of things. And then it was like, oh, Spider Man two. That's pretty cool. Doctor Octopus. You got um, Alfred Molina in the mix. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm into it. I'm down. Uh, and then of course Spider Man three. Um, went very much in a different like, direction. Yeah, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I that's, guess that's a lot of hair, this, Joe. This is, there's a lot of everything in this movie. Um, And then... Toe for Grace? I wouldn't, but uh, fine. Hmm, that seems bad. <laughs> that seems wrong to me. Um, He's not Eddie Brock. No. Uh, And then, I haven't seen any of the Andrew Garfield movies. Emma Watson, Emma Watson, excuse me, Emma Stone uh, is fantastic as Gwen Stacy. I love her. I, you know, the best thing about uh, the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies um, is the idea that in an alternate universe, Emma Stone would be Uh Spider-Gwen. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I want out of that universe. Andrew Garfield, listen, dude, I get it. 
it was an opportunity. We all have bills to pay. I'm here for you. But like, eh, no, no, thank you. I wasn't like, also like Jamie Foxx's Electro was just very kind of, uh, okay. I don't know. It's, I, there's a, like the problem with a lot of Spider-Man movies, I think has been like, they have taken themselves way too seriously. And like Spider-Man is a goofy ass character. He, you know, his rogues gallery, it's all people with like crazy animal costumes, you know, like venom aside. Right. They are, it's literally like a menagerie of weirdos, right? There, there has to be like a certain level of like camp to it. I feel, which is why I'm kind of excited to see Michael Keaton as the vulture, you know, who is just like an insane character. He is, you know, an older gentleman <laughs> running around with like makeshift wings, calling himself the vulture. And I can just feel like I, I feel it in my heart. Like Spider-Man just like looking at him like, what the actual fuck are you doing? <laughs> you have to go home. You got to stop. Vulture or like Craven, the hunter. Yeah, he's just like I'm. Yes. I'm a man who dresses up in like a lion mane and goes around <laughs> hunting the ultimate game. Uh, you think man is is the the most dangerous game? Wrong. It's a Spider Man is the it's, most dangerous game. Right, and like that's like that's that's when Peter Parker's like signature wit becomes like fun. Yes, yes. Where you feel like he's your friend telling you like, guess what the fuck I saw Get on a load my of way home. Right. She calls herself the black cat. She's wearing all black with fur lining. It was insane. Like, that's what I want out of a Spider-Man movie. And I feel, you know, I've, when you cover, like when you cover comics and like superhero stuff, you learn not to get your hopes up, right? Just, um, learn, you rather, you learn to be pleasantly surprised. It's mm-hmm. the best way to go into things because when you start like fantasizing about what could and what should, it's like, no, 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 that's just not how this is going to play out. Um, but I, um, no shade to Sony, but I, I feel like Marvel definitely, um, has a whole, like it, it has a handle on this. It, it, it understands like how to like crank these things out. Um, and so, well, like, hopefully Spider-Man will flourish under, you know, under their influence. But we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we wish them the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. What else are you, what else are you up to lately besides, I mean, are you, do you follow like those movies? Have you, did you see Guardians 2? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, right now when I'm actually, uh, like I, um, I just came to io9 where I'm covering comics like full time, which has been super fun. Um, But it's actually um, been a bit of a challenge because it's like up until like really up until now, my comics writing has kind of been um, not tangential, but it it hadn't been like the core focus of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, And now that it is, I find myself having to like go back and fill in like, um, holes in my knowledge just because, uh, you have to have, uh, like a functional understanding of like, Oh, like what's going on in this publisher's universe right now. So that when news breaks, you have like a bit of context that you can, um, that you can put things into. Um, and so I've literally just been going back and reading some of like the major arcs for certain characters over the past couple of years, just to get like a sense of who they are, where they're coming from, where studios might be, 
looking to for inspiration, like four movies, uh, wonder woman's out in a couple of weeks and like wonder woman is so like wonder woman's mythology is so complicated. Oh my God. This, every comic character. Okay. Like at some point, here's the thing about, about, about Cape comics, right. Is like, so many of them started off as like their creators were just like, <laughs> wouldn't that be funny if this guy was like a, a vulture and he was like, like, I'm sure some of them were like taking themselves very seriously. And like, yeah. I, you know, like some of the stuff about like Jack Kirby's like whole cosmic mythos is like very cool in its own right. But like Wonder Woman is explicitly created by a guy who has like, like rope fetishes and stuff. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it, it's a, it's like a a funny kinky character and now has sort of become like a weird feminist icon sort of. Yeah. I, there's a really, I, there's a, there's a book that I keep, I keep picking up and like not finishing because I'm a bad person. Um, and oh my God, the name is escaping. I want to say, I have to look this up because I will be remiss if I get it wrong. The, is it the new mutants? No. Oh, my God. I am reading the mutants right now. Ramsey was my TA in college uh, oh, wow. for a bunch of different classes. Yes. Um, history. Of, uh, wait, 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 wait a second. There we go. The Secret History of Wonder Woman by Jill Lepore. Oh. Um, breaks down literally like all of the nitty gritty, like sociological origins of the character, mm-hmm. right? Born out of this, um, this man and wife team who were tasked with coming up with a female superhero, um, who incorporated elements of like kink and mm-hmm. the, uh, the invention of like the polygraph, which is where the lasso of truth, truthiness comes from, right? Um, these very like, sexually charged fantasy ideas of like an island full of warrior women who have never met men Mm -hmm. and you know their lives are changed by the by the arrival of steve trevor it's also you know it's all it's it is complicated in its own right but there's a simplicity to it and like a beauty to it and now you know Diana is sometimes the daughter of Zeus. Sometimes she's, you know, the daughter of Ares. She's like a demigod on her own. It's like it, like there's like there's the current, um, her current arc, um, <clears throat> in the books is getting into this idea that like Diana left the mascara, her home, and she can't get back. She can't find her way back, um, and in her journey to like make her way back to the island, she's learning that like her entire life has been a lie. Everyone has sort of deceived her about like her parentage. And it's so, I say this as someone who I did not really grow up reading DC comics all that much. Um, and so a lot of this is like homework and it's so like, it's so dense. Um, and it's one of the reasons that like, uh, my boyfriend, does not like reading comics um, specifically <laughs> because he's like, I don't know where to start. And I'm like, dude, I can't fucking help you. Like, I don't know where to start. You just got to pick one up. And then you pick one up, you pull up your computer. And then when something is confusing, you go to the Wikipedia and you look it up. Like that's literally the work that you have to do. And while I think it's fun, I can see how like, you know, a normal person wouldn't, you know? Um, and that's just like, I'm looking at books right now on my shelf that I haven't read yet. And I'm like, all right, well, I know the process by like through which like I would be able to dig into this, but imagine like being a kid walking into like a bookstore being like, Oh, Hey, 
um, what's this uh, apocalypse about? You know, it's like, oh, well, how long do you have? We can sit here and talk <laughs> for hours and hours and hours. Um, but that's like, so yeah, that's what I'm up to these days. I'm just sort of like, oh, like, what's Harley Quinn up to? Like, what's she, like, what's her shtick right now? Um, oh, the God. answer is she's basically, she's basically Deadpool. <laughs> she's Deadpool oh, for DC. No, in I, Brooklyn. <laughs> uh, yeah. all I know about Harley Quinn recently in this, I feel like actually this was closer. This is like a year ago, but there was that panel where um, she's like on the beach and there's someone's like filming her. Okay. There's like this really like big dude filming her and she's like, Hey, Hey, I don't know how Harley Quinn talks. She's not rogue. (laughs) She's rogue says Shug. Um, she's like, Oh, I know my whoopee cakes are like really fantastic. And it was just like she was like talking about it was like a, a lesson about like consent and filming and stuff. Yeah. And it was like, I know my whoopee cakes are really fabulous, but and it was just like no one talks like that. No yeah. one says whoopee cakes. What are you? Who are it's, you? It's, and why yeah. are you doing a very special episode? <laughs> the thing is, like, Harley is so um Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor have done some fantastic work with Harley, but their Harley very much comes across as like a canarsy like fantasy at times, as opposed uh-huh. to like a character grounded canarsy like the, the the neighborhood out in Brooklyn, um, as opposed to like a fully developed person. Um, in that, like, she's, you know, she's, like, she's old-school Brooklyn, and she says things like whoopee cakes, and it's all, like, cute and charming, but there is, I don't know, there are times where, like, the tension between her personality and, like, the progressive messages that she sometimes tries to deliver, like, the conflict between those two just kind of, like, makes it a little difficult to process, you know, who and where she is as a person. You know what I mean? It's almost like she's, like, Hi, I'm Harley, and here's my message for the day. And it's like, all right, well, uh, as I, and those come across almost as like points on a data chart, as opposed to yeah. like a smooth arc. You know what I mean? Um, my advice to you, actually, mm-hmm. have you heard of Bombshells, the um, the DC series? No. Um, it's an alternate, it's, it's, it's like my favorite kind of like book from a big publisher where they take all of their, like their major characters plot like, and pluck them out of like the main sprawling, complicated continuity and put them in like a nice little sandbox where they tell like a very specific story that is easy to fucking follow. Mm. Um, so it's set during world war two and it's basically all of the female heroes from DC's universe, um, being scattered across the world. Um, you know, the early 20th century um, as the war is like going on. So like all the men are missing because they're at war. Right. So like you uh, like Gotham is sort of being taken care of um, by Batwoman, who is reimagined as like a female baseball player. Um, And when she is not like, you know, on the diamond, like hitting balls out of the park, she's like prowling the streets and like, finding bootleggers and like beating them up with her bat and she gets she uh is conscripted to fight on you know the front lines against the nazis who are being led by joker's daughter (laughs) (laughs) um 
elsewhere in the world, you've got Wonder Woman. She's in Themyscira. She leaves the island with Mera, who's traditionally like Aquaman's wife. But here she's just like the queen of Atlantis. You've got like Supergirl and Stargirl who are these Russian propagandists who are being used by the state. Um, and one by one, um, Amanda Waller of Suicide Squad fame plucks them all um, from their various like uh, corners of the world to become a part of this squad called uh, the Bombshells, who are conscripted to fight against Joker's daughter and her army of undead Nazi henchmen um, <laughs> who are trying to capture the world for Germany. And it's like the thing that the thing that's fun about it, it's like it's super campy. Like it does not at all take itself seriously. Um, and it is just like a fun little, it's a fun way to like waste a couple hours of your day, Mm. like enjoying these people, um, who are ostensibly like larger than life figures being brought down into much more like realistic characters, which I feel is always where, um, comic books are their strongest, you know, like I hate that that like adage like, Oh, like we've traded superheroes for like mythic gods. And I don't think that that's true. Um, you know, there, you can get into semantics about like hero worship and everything, but, um, people like want to be Superman. People want to be Batman. No one really wanted to be Zeus, you know, right. Um, that's, um, that's a hard life. Uh, <laughs> It's a lot of it's a lot of fighting your parents and killing your children. Um, it's not fun. <laughs> Whereas, like like uh, superheroes are a form of like escapist fantasy. Um, but when you do get into when you fall into the trap of trying to turn heroes into like these larger than life figures, it makes that a little difficult to do. I think, right? Um, Clark Kent is at his most interesting. I think when he is sort of trying to straddle the Clark Kent and Superman identities where he's like, Oh, like I am going to go save the sun, but I also have to go file this story at the daily planet. Otherwise I will get fired and have no money and I will have to live in the fortress of solitude. And that would (laughs) suck. Like that's like, like that's fun to me. Like in those moments where these characters reveal that at their core, they are people like Mm. they are, you know, they are human in a way, even if they're not humans, they are living amongst humans. They are dealing with the problems of humanity that face us all yeah you know um it's like when um my like one of my all-time favorite comics of all time of all time um max Wittert's um scott and gene are fighting Mm -hmm. um is a web comic with uh scott summers and gene gray just being like the most doing like the most banal shit (laughs) just like like gene being too lazy to like get something from the fridge and she refuses to use her telepathy to do it. She asked Scott to do it. Scott's like, (laughs) Scott's like, Gene, use your telepathy. And she's like, the Phoenix will come if you don't do this. And he's like, fine. (laughs) Like that's fun. Cause like, those are those moments that you like, you rarely see those like on panel Um, Mm -hmm. with the X-Men. It's always like, Magneto's here. The juggernaut's here. The Phoenix is back. The Shi'ar are going to kill everybody. And it's like, when do you people just like chill out? Like mm-hmm. you all either there's something like something here does not add up either. There have to be like down moments for you or the writers are not doing a good job of exploring the fact that you all must have PTSD from being in a constant state of agitation because your world is constantly falling apart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like 
those scenes were like Jubilee's at the mall and she's like, yo, push off. I'm trying to play video games. I'm like, you know what? Yes, this is exactly what you should be doing. Um, because that's, that's like, it's what people, it's what people do to, to, to decompress. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I like, um, <sighs> yeah, I like the superhero downtime comic. That's what I want. That I don't, I mean, I think one of the reasons that I never really got into it was that it just seems like this constant escalation. And it kind of reminds me of, um, of something like Dragon Ball, which is something I was into as a kid where like, Ooh, yeah. they couldn't figure out how to like, they couldn't figure out how to make the story more interesting. And so they were just like, Oh, it's a bigger menace. Like the stakes aren't the city anymore. The stakes are the country or the planet or the universe all right. or all universes. And it's like, I've uh, never seen power like this before. It's right. always like the little Saiyan doohickey on their eye just like pops. And it's like, well, where do you keep getting these things from? Like, Yeah, that, that classic line, I've never seen power like this before. That's <laughs> yeah. my favorite meme. Um, <laughs> but, but no, I mean, like superhero stuff too. It's like, ugh, I mean. But it's like those episodes, like those episodes of Dragon Ball Z where it's like, um, these, are, these would have been like later episodes, but it's like, um, Gohan and Videl just like chilling out, going to the mall when like Gohan was like posing as, as like a fake ass superhero and like hiding the fact that he was a Saiyan when he was like, uh, what was it? Say a man. Like that was mm -hmm. great. Right. And yeah. They're like just doing fun, goofy things like, oh, the fact that you can blow up a mountain like will not help you in this situation. <laughs> right, like, right. You, like Superman, you need to buy new glasses. Are you going to go on fucking like uh, a web, or you know, listen to a podcast and be like, "Oh, they recommended me." Um, I want the right. Clark needs to hear Warby Parker <laughs> and be like, hmm, <laughs> "When or Superman orders his five his five glasses and posts on Twitter, like, which one do you guys think like is better?" Like he's asking Jimmy and Lois, like, and then he ends up buying them all because he broke the lenses. Like that's <sighs> like that is the comic that I like. That's that's fun to me. You know what I mean? Because right. like we know we know you're going to save the universe. You might die. You'll be back. Don't worry about it. But let's talk about these tortoise shells. Right, which is why I think more comics should hire fanfic writers because they do this stuff. They do the slice of life stuff. They do AUs. They do all of this, like, I don't know, incredible, bizarre work with these characters that are so established at this point that, like, you, yeah, you know who Superman is. And, like, to show him doing something goofy like that can be really entertaining. Some of the publishers are getting better about it. Um, there's a current series where um, I think I don't know the exact name of it, but Batman and Superman both have sons. Uh -huh. I think it might be called. I think it might be called Super Sons. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it's um, it's silly, but there are moments where you just see Bruce and Clark with um, John and Damian, their kids, just like being dads. Being like, oh, all right, like go play video games. Like, be nice to one another. John, don't punch Damien. That's not cool. You're super strong. You He's not. kill him. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's like, oh, like in a perfect world, like this is a non-traditional little nuclear family um, where like dads go to work and, you know, they go fuck some bad guys up and they come home and they check on the kids and like, did you do your homework? All right. Cool. Let's see you lift this truck. I hope you've been practicing. Damien, hack into this sh thing that I stole from Lex Luthor. Like that's like that's that's fun. 
Um, another, another really good book, um, that just wrapped up actually, unfortunately it was, um, Patsy Walker, AKA Hellcat. Uh-huh. Um, Hellcat's one of those characters where if you, if I tried to explain her origin to you, it would just like give us both a headache. Um, <laughs> but suffice it to say that she is uh, a former Avenger who has literally like been to hell and like died a couple of times. But in this book, um, uh, the Kate left the writer just like brought her back to Brooklyn, made her life super small. Um, and she's like working at a temp agency. Right. And she's literally just like, I have to pay my rent. Like I, mm-hmm. like my, my roommate took me in and that was really great of him. But like, this is New York and it's 2017 and nothing is cheap. And so she just goes on like a mix of like super temp jobs and just like regular like data entry things. And every now and then like a a villain will pop up who's like, Oh, like hop into my bag that has a pocket universe. And you know, there'll be a joke like, what's your, like, what's your villain name? The villain's like, my name is attache. And everyone like laughs. (laughs) (laughs) That's stupid. And it's like little things like that where, Again, the stakes are very, they're large in a sense of like, oh, like you're a person and you might get hurt, right? And that would suck for you. But it's not like the universe is going to be consumed by like a firebird again. You know what I mean? Yeah. I like that. That sounds cool. Yeah. Um, I'm also just trying to like, I'm trying to just read more like mm-hmm. read more fiction to like take it in. Like I, I've spent like so many years just being like what's happening in the real world that like my escapism was always like refuge escapism almost in a sense that like I was trying to like get away from the stresses of the real world that like were tied to like my work. Sure. And now I'm trying to like prioritize like reading for pleasure. You know what I mean? And just because mm-hmm. I feel like in order to become like a better writer, be it, you know, if you're a journalist or a fiction writer or not fiction writer, you really do just have to like consume, you know, in a meaningful, thoughtful way where the ideas at work are given like the space and time to intermingle like with you and just like live in your headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, that is a, that is a conscious thing that you have to do. It's not something that you can just like get passively by reading things on like the subway. It's something that you have to like sit down for like two hours, like turn your phone off, you know, set everything to, to do not disturb and just like get lost in middle earth, you know, and, <laughs> you know, be, be obsessive about the minutia that you might otherwise like look over where you not like giving yourself um, the time and space to really be thoughtful in your close reading of something. Um, mm-hmm. so that's something else that I'm trying to, uh, prioritize a little bit more for myself. That's awesome. I like it. <laughs> what are you reading? <laughs> um, right now I am reading, um, my, uh, uh, my friend's book, uh, my friend, Margaret Wappler. Uh, she released her first novel, uh, neon green, mm. last year. Um, and it's kind of like, how to describe it. Um, it's got like an eighties vibe to it. Basically a spaceship shows up, mm-hmm. um, and lands on, uh, the suburban family's lawn and it's just there. And like, it throws like the local community into a tizzy almost. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, and that, like, that's the most interesting thing about it. Right. It's not so much that like, Oh, like, you have made first contact with aliens. It's just sort of like how the various people um, 
who are in the proximity of the ship all react in different ways. So there's the people who think it's like, oh, like this is the second coming. There are the people who are just like, oh my God, like they're coming here to invade us. This is the end. And then there's the people who are just like, mm, whatever, I've seen it before. Like, don't worry about it. There will be more. Um, and it's like the thing that I'm getting out of it is it's really um, – it's a really interesting exercise in like character study and just like being able to inhabit so many different kinds of voices around such like a, such like a big event. Um, it's just, I'm, I'm learning. I feel like I'm learning a lot about like how to give voice to, um, to characters for, um, my inevitable, um, jump over into fiction writing. Mm. Um, you know, I'm also going back and reading world war Z again, uh-huh. which I do like twice a year just for like, <laughs> Just for shits and giggles. Um, every time I like, every time I'm like scroll, scrolling through the television and I come across the History Channel, I'm like, God damn it, the History Channel should have bought the rights to World War Z and produced this as the documentary that it should have been and not that terrible action movie with Brad Pitt. Um, but uh, that is not the world we live in. And so I read the book again in order to, uh, to quell the anger inside. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I get that. Well, the um the the only real segment that we do on the show is called recommendations and um recommendations. I, yeah, that's the okay. we don't have a theme song for it. Maybe one day, but um <laughs> the rest is just sort of the show and it's amorphous and it, you can't pin it down or define it and it's the show and why would you want to? Um but I mean, you've already, I feel like recommended to me personally, several things, but the idea, <laughs> the idea with this, so, so you can, you can, um, retroactively claim those if you want, but the idea is like, uh, you recommend something, uh, and it can be a piece of media. It can be an experience. It can be just like a thing, an item, a practice, any, basically anything. Um, yeah. and I do the same and, um, it doesn't have to be like for me or for you. It's like, it's just for people listening, um, so, um, do you want to go first or should I go first? You go first. <gasps> you know, I've done this a few times now and I don't think I've remembered to think of anything anytime. Um, <laughs> what's like, what's the last thing that like, what is the last thing you did that you feel, I don't know, like fed you in like a meaningful, like existential <gasps> kind Ooh. of way? Ooh, that is a very good question. Um... I, oh, I've got one. Um, I am just finishing. I have like 10 pages left. Um, Eileen Miles' book, Chelsea Girls. It's a little older. Okay. Um, and she is coming out with a new book pretty soon about her dog, I believe. But Chelsea Girls is like a semi-autobiographical novel kind of thing. Like a lot of her fiction tends to be. And it's about being gay and it's about New York and um so much more and it is um it's really great i once listened to her book inferno on audio tape so whenever i read her writing now i hear it in her voice nice and uh it's a very good voice it's this very good old boston dyke accent and um (laughs) it's fantastic so check out that book um i think people will probably get a kick out of it very nice. I will definitely check this out. I'm always looking for something new to read. Huh. Um, my, I've, I've like thrown out a bunch of like books and shit. Um, I'm going to take a bit of a different path. Um, 
I am a huge proponent of um, long, long bike rides. Mm-hmm. Um, I um, moved like moved up here two years ago, and I have had my bike. Um, like just like backstory, DC is a very bikeable city. You can get like from one end of DC to the other in about 30 minutes on a bike. And that's like with traffic. Um, and there's all these like great, like long distance, uh, bike paths along, um, fuck, I've forgotten what the river is, whatever there's, they're there. Um, and I used to just sort of like lose myself in like music or an audiobook, just like biking like a couple dozen miles, like to and from my house into like Virginia. Anyway, moved up here and like my bike has just been in a state of disrepair for the longest time Um, because like D.C., because it's such a bike town, when you go to a bike shop to get like a tune up, it's like crazy expensive. Um, But in my new neighborhood where everything is relatively affordable, um, I was able to like get my bike together um, and I took it on to the the greenway that goes all the way through New York. Um, and I just biked from like the lower hat, like the lower tip of the Bronx down to Chelsea. And it was just like fantastic to be like out and about and just sort of amongst the world, but also like blocking it all out in a, in a way, you know what I mean? Mm, Yeah. Um, it's so, I feel like a lot of people who live in the city, we don't prioritize like being, amongst the little bits and pieces of nature that we have access to, which is really unfortunate, you know? Um, and so like, I prefer to bike uh, just cause I think walking is for chumps, but <laughs> um, I, I, I highly encourage like people to just like go out and like, just go and wander for a while. Wandering is very good for like the mind and the mm-hmm. body. Um, you know, don't, don't do it with any particular kind of purpose. Just know that like the thing that you were interested in doing is walking or just traveling until you get to a point where you feel like, all right, like I've done what I need to do and you can go back. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a, I think it is one of the, like the lightest lift forms of meditation that you can do. And, um, it has been good for me and I would recommend it to everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good wander, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Wander it up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well uh this has been super fun i think that about brings us to the end of the show oh um, thank you yeah i mean do you want to tell people where they can find your writing online um you can find me in hell um <laughs> but um assuming that you are not quite on the other side of the veil yet you can find me at twitter um on twitter i am at charles pulliam Charles, the way everybody spells it, and Pulliam is P-U-L-L-I-A-M, as in Mary. Great. Yeah, Charles as in uh, Charles Xavier, as in get out of my head, Charles, as Mm -hmm. in... (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. Charles like Xavier and Pulliam like Keisha Knight. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Well, thank you again. Um, I hope you have a fantastic day. I will. And I hope. That I, I feel the same for you. This was oh, fantastic. This was so much fun. We should hang out in person soon because we're in the same city. Hey, I'm all about it. You're, yes. down, you're down in Brooklyn? I'm in Crown Heights in Brooklyn. Okay, you're one of those. All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, we'll figure it out. I'll come to, I'll come to the city. I'll come to the city. It's cool. <laughs> okay, well, have a good one. Uh, I will talk to you later. Bye. Bye. 
Woodland Secrets is hosted by Merrick Kay and produced and edited by me, Nick Bravo. Woodland Secrets is a part of Stay Mean, the world's only podcast network. We're entirely listener-supported. If you enjoy the show, please consider becoming a patron of Stay Mean at woodlandsecrets.co support. For as little as three bucks a month, you'll get access to a monthly newsletter and frequent bonus episodes of our shows. If you'd like to have a message read on the show, head to woodlandsecrets.co slash messages. You can help people find out about the show. Please mention us on Twitter. We're at Woodland Podcast and at Stay Mean Co. Or rate and review us in iTunes. We really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. <laughs>